step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more... Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Hi, I'm Ron Barr, and this is today's edition of Ron Barr's Sports Byline USA podcast on the 8Side Network. This is America's Sports Talk Show. Sports Byline USA. Here's Ron Barr. Nice to catch up with a good friend. Sugar Ray Leonard is with us. We've had wonderful talks over the years, not only about boxing, but about life in general. Ray, nice to catch up with you. How's everything? Hey, Ron, it's been a while, buddy. Good good talking to you again. Yeah, let's talk about the state of boxing. As you take a look over the landscape of boxing, what is it that concerns you? What is it that you're happy about? I am so disappointed with the sport of boxing. First of all, Ron, there are very few, if, if not one, maybe superstar in boxing. Uh, and that's sad. That's a sad scenario for the sport of boxing. And the reason being, I think, is because promoters don't promote the fighters anymore. They promote the fight, the war, the rumble in the jungle. They don't promote the fighters until the public doesn't have a chance to know that guy, know who he is, why he does what he do. And that's a problem. I think that's a major problem because no one knows these guys. But hasn't it always been that way, Ray, for a long time? I mean, I, I'm just trying to think, except for HBO, where they would get into the personality of the fighter and, and package it up before a fight. Uh, the media generally went in for the hype rather than for anything else. But, Ron, also, they did little vignettes about yeah. who this guy is, you know, where he's from, you know, his kids, his wife, his girlfriend, what school he went to, what's his education. They, went, they did all those things. So people saw him as a human being, as a nice guy, and they, they had a more of a vested interest in that boxer. It's always been a commodity business. Is that any different today? No, no. It's, you know, when I was fighting, I became a marketable commodity. No, it's no, it's no difference. The only difference is uh, a lot of our boxers, our amateur boxers, don't have the proper training and supervision that we have because they need more experience in, uh, in amateur competition. Because it, it bothers me that... We, they don't have boxing, amateur boxing, on television like they used to in the past. Years ago, they had, you know, the Golden Gloves, the National Golden Gloves was on TV, on network television. And now you rarely see that. 
How much does luck have to do with a boxer's uh, eventual ability to maybe get a championship? Luck, luck helps sometimes because we all are not in that position that we call the shots. All the guys don't win a gold medal, so they don't, they're not in a position to kind of call the shots. So luck sometimes happens. You know, you get called upon because you, a last minute, you know, some guy got injured or hurt or whatever, and they call you, and you get, and you get your shot. Or you're with a promoter that will really push you to get a, a title shot within two or three years. Yeah, that's what I was talking about, being with the right person who is well-connected and, you know, could put something together. I mean, is it purely luck in that standpoint? Uh, I mean, if you were to take ten boxers, how many of them do it on their ability and how many of them do it because they happen to be connected with the right person at the right time, right? I would think two would do it on their own ability, but for the most part, majority of them do it because they're connected with the right person or right entity. You mentioned about the winning the Olympic gold medal in 1976 at the Games up in Montreal, Canada. I remember watching you up there. And, you know, there's been certain athletes in my career that I've watched, uh, John Elway in football, others like that you just knew was going to be successful at the next level. And I knew that about you as well. We don't seem to have the same focus on Olympic boxing that we once had. Why is that? Well, like I said earlier, um, Ron, because of our amateur foundation, it's not as strong as it used to be. And uh, these kids, unfortunately, are turning professional way too soon. They, if they get a bad call or bad decision during their amateur career, they quit and go right to professional. And that's not smart. That's not cool. They need to get as much exposure, as much experience as they possibly can during their amateur career so that when they turn professional, they're more seasoned and more prepared to take that next step. Does the Olympic effort, though, uh, to a great degree, reflect on, on good boxing today in your mind, Ray? It used to. Yes, without question, it used to. Because you saw guys, you said, mm-hmm. well, that guy, can, that guy can fight for the title right now. Because you saw guys, and you saw their talent in the ring. You saw how well they were, how comfortable they were in the ring, and how they displayed ring generalship. I mean, boxers were so, God, they could, would outclass each other. When you take a look at uh, the motivation for Sugar Ray Leonard to fight and you take a look at these young uh, fighters, do you see any deviation from what it was that motivated you to be in this game uh, no compared to them? whatsoever, Ron. You know, the reason I turned pro, the only reason I turned professional was to help pay bills. My parents, my father was desperately ill. He, was, he had spinal meningitis and tuberculosis. My mother, you know, she was working hard herself overtime. So I turned pro to kind of make a few dollars. <laughs> and never realizing that my career would be so illustrious. But, uh, you know, thank God I did turn pro because I was able to retire my parents and take care of them. I saw recently a program that I thought was just outstanding. I think it was just a half-hour show, and I think you remember it as well. I don't know. If, I think it was on HBO and uh, about you coming back and taking on Marvin Hagler after you'd been away and everything in that fight. When you look back on that fight, what are the memories that Ray has uh, about that fight? Well, I recall when I first even murmured or, or suggested that I was going to fight Hagler, the world thought I was crazy. You're right. I remember Barry Tompkins interviewing me. He said, Ray, you know, he, he's not serious. He's not serious. Because Barry came down, I think it was to Florida, to meet with me and to interview me. And um, I think it was HBO. And we talked on my, on, on my boat. <laughs> not my boat, but the boat I chartered. And I'm talking about, you know, trying to create a scenario for him. And he looked at me like, you know, this guy's crazy. <laughs> He just knew I lost it. But everything I told him actually came true. 
It's interesting about that because I've always found that there are certain athletes that need to have a challenge. They need to go against conventional thinking in order to bring the best out in them. Was that part of the factor in your fighting? Well, I always went to the edge. I always like, looked over the edge and see how far I could go. But also to take in consideration, because when I came back the first time of my many comebacks, <laughs> um, I fought Kevin Howard and was knocked down by this guy who was nothing compared to Marvin Hagler. So when I waited an additional three years and came back against Hagler, they said, if you can't beat a guy who's 147 and 149, how can you beat one of the top middleweight champions in the world, undefeated, in 11 consecutive years? But I, I saw something during the fight, his fight with um, John DeBeast Mugabe, and I saw that he was being outboxed. So I figured if there's any time for me to get Hagler, it's now. I know uh, you know as well that it's often been said that so goes boxing, so goes the heavyweight division, or vice versa. And yet, that's not the case today. We don't have kind of a charismatic and also marquee kind of heavyweight fighting champion today. Uh, why has that changed, and is it really important to have a, a good heavyweight champion for boxing to flourish in your mind, Ray? Well, boxing is synonymous with heavyweight. When you say boxing, you think about heavyweight, the heavyweight champion. For some reason, um, the heavyweight division is so um, just pragmatic. It's so broken to pieces. It's really weak, very, very weak. Do you think anything will change over the next, say, two or three years in that Things division? always change. There's always some <laughs> bright... <laughs> and I'm an optimist, optimist also. But there's always some bright star that tend to um, brighten up the sport of boxing again. Ray, I remember a conversation that you and I had, and I thought it was the, one of the most interesting uh, answers you've ever given me to any question I've asked an athlete. And I asked you why it was in the sport of boxing, it seems like uh, the boxers are like fire horses. When the bell rings, they always come out, even if they are beyond their prime. Now, Muhammad Ali fought beyond his prime. We've seen uh, numerous other boxers do that. What is it in, in boxing and in the fighter that makes them answer that bell, even after they should not, knowing what is at risk to them physically? It's that instinct. It's that inner inner strength. It's, that, uh, it's like an automatic palate they have, we have, and we will go on, you know, maybe the first round, and you may notice his equilibrium is not right. Mm -hmm. You may notice his hand speed is not right. But in his mind, he everything is perfect until he, until he or we or I get hit. Then you realize, you know what? I'm too slow to be in here. I should not be <laughs> in this ring. But boxers have the biggest heart. And, and also, I tell you, they're the most compassionate people in the world. You may read them wrong sometimes because of a bad day or a bad bout or bad training day. But for the most part, boxers are very compassionate people because the sport, the only guys that succeed are the people that give the most. And because boxers are really a, it's a poor man's sport, boxers have such uh, dedication and they, they go beyond the limits to be the best, to be the best in shape. How many fights did you have in which you won on skill, and how many fights did you win on your brain and just kind of outsmarting your opponent? Wow, that, that, that's a very good question. I mean, there, there were moments, I mean, like with Hagler, I beat him on his brains. I beat him with speed. Um, Durant, the first fight that I lost, I mean, that was all heart. With Tommy Hearns, I had to use both. I had to use my heart and also my uh, ability. So it depends on which fight it was because they, those fights define me, really. 
because they brought out the best in me. And um, in order to survive, and, all, and also in order to dominate, it's a certain it's a certain mode, uh, Ron. That I mean, I look at myself now in retrospect. Mm-hmm. Um, I say, who is that guy? <laughs> because I'm a I'm a I'm a non-confrontational guy here until re- until I'm pushed. But for the most part, I look at that guy and I say, you know what? There has to be some kind of metamorphosis, some kind of some transformation that made me that fighter because I I was pretty tough. Ray, I want to thank you. It's been too long since we've talked like this, and I hope it won't be as long the next time. Thank you, my friend. Ron, thank you so much, buddy. I love you. Take care. Sugar Ray Leonard, five times he was a champion. He won five world titles and five weight classes. And if you take a look at his overall record, 36-3, and 25 knockouts, and he also was a gold medalist for the United States coming out of the 76 Summer Olympics. We'll take a break, continue with more of you and Sports Byline. You're listening to Ron Barr's Sports Byline USA podcast. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. This is America's Sports Talk Show, Sports Byline USA. Here's Ron Barr. Dana White joins us on Sports Byline. He's the president of the Ultimate Fighting Championship. And when you talk about sports that have just exploded, UFC has certainly done that. Dana, I want to ask you, what is it that got you so excited about UFC? What did you see and what has been your philosophy about building UFC into the major sport it is? Well, I've I've been in the fight business since I was 19 years old. I was involved in boxing. Once I got to to fast forward, you know, and and probably I moved to Boston right after high school. Grew up in Vegas, moved to Boston, was involved in boxing back there, came back to Las Vegas in in 1995, and uh, hooked up with one of the guys I went to school with, uh, Lorenzo Fertitta. And the, him and his brother Frank owned Station Casinos, which is the fourth largest gaming company in the country. And at that time, Lorenzo had just gotten on the, the Nevada State Athletic Commission. They regulate boxing, mixed martial arts, you know, combat sports. We were training together and doing stuff, and at the time, we had talked about getting involved in professional boxing. So one night, his brother Frank and I were out at the Hard Rock, and we bumped into a guy named John Lewis who was, uh, you know, had fought in the UFC and was a real good ground game guy, jiu-jitsu guy. And Frank says to me, I've always wanted to learn jiu-jitsu, the ground game. And I said, me too. We went over. I introduced Frank to him. We talked. Well, long story short, Lorenzo came on the Monday. We all started training. We fell in love with jiu-jitsu. Through jiu-jitsu, we started to meet some of these guys that had fought in the UFC. And that's what really blew us away. As we started to meet these guys, 
You know, 90% of these guys are college educated, really smart guys, super talented athletes, and real good people. I mean, just good people. So we became totally enthralled in the sport. We were in love with it. I actually started to manage a couple of fighters, Tito Ortiz and Chuck Liddell. I got into this huge contract battle with the old owner of the UFC, lasted about a year on Tito's contract. And through that, I found out that they were in trouble and that they were going out of business. So at the time, the Fertitta brothers were in Florida. I called them up and said, hey, guys, this thing's in trouble. It's going out of business. I actually think we can buy it. A month later, we owned the UFC. We bought it for $2 million. That's the short version of the story. Tell me what it is about the uh, sport, the Ultimate Fighting Championship sport, that is appealing to fans because it's something that really does grab fans. When I talk to them, I, I see them get as excited about UFC as I see them get excited about the NFL. Yeah, it's, it's very addicting. It's hard to explain. It's, it's like when we got involved in it, we became very addicted. And that's one of the things we asked ourselves. Are we really that different than everybody else that other people wouldn't feel this way about it too if it was marketed the right way, packaged and presented the way that it should be? Because this isn't a freak show like people thought it was. It's actually an amazing sport that people become very attracted to. The other thing that we figured was, think about this, right? Nothing in this country is bigger than the NFL. The NFL is huge. And I don't care if you didn't watch one football game all season, everybody watches the Super Bowl. They've been spending billions of dollars trying to break into all these other countries around the world, and it's just not working. And the reason is people didn't grow up playing it, they don't really understand the rules, and they're never going to be invested in the teams. People in Europe could care less about the New York Giants or the New England Patriots, etc. But... I take two guys, I put them in an octagon, and they can use any martial art they want. It transcends all cultural barriers, all language barriers, because I don't care what color you are, what country you come from, or what language you speak. We're all human beings. Fighting's in our DNA, man. We get it, and we like it. Dana, one of the things that you have done, and I'd be interested in how you developed it, you mentioned about the, uh, the packaging and the marketing of, of UFC. And when you look at it, if you look at it in its barest essentials, it is kind of brutal to some degree. But you've been able to market it and package it and present it to make it inclusive instead of exclusive. How did you go about doing that? The biggest problem about it early on was there were a lot of misconceptions about the UFC, a lot of fairy tales, you know, because that was the sensationalism of the old owner. The old owner said, it's the most brutal, bloody, violent sport in the world. Two men under the cage, one man leaves. You know, if you would ask people back in the old days, if people die in the Ultimate Fighting Championship, they'd say absolutely yes. Yeah, people die in that. There's never been a death or serious injury in the 20-year history of the UFC. Never been a death or serious injury in 20 years of the sport uh cheerleading can't say that okay but the sensationalism that the the old owner used almost like a freak show because this guy never in a million years thought he was creating a sport he was going to do a couple of one-off no rules pay-per-view fights you know and, and and make a few bucks and thought that would be it the guy never in a million years thought that he was creating a sport and that's what he did because the, the 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 question that they were asking when they did the first ufc is which fighting style is the best would a karate guy beat a kung fu guy would a wrestler beat a boxer the answer to that question ended up being no one style is the best you had to have a little piece of everything to be a complete fighter and an entire new martial art was created you realize back in the day when you and i were growing up your mother would put you in karate or taekwondo or something like that. All over the world, right now, what kids are taking all over the world is mixed martial arts, the new martial art. 
The other thing, too, is is that important to uh, the presentation of a sport is the developing of personalities. That is always an enhancing aspect. You've done that with your, your fighters, in a sense. What was the philosophy in developing the personalities so that the fans related not only to the sport but also to their favorite fighter? Well, that's another great thing about the athletes that I was mentioning. First of all, Every guy has a different story. If you look at boxing, boxing had the same exact story. I came from the mean streets of such and such. If it wasn't for boxing, I'd be dead or in jail. That was every guy's story in boxing. In this sport, these guys are, are college-educated. Um, you know, they're family men. We got Matt Hughes, who was a farm boy from, from, from down in Illinois. You got Chuck Liddell, this guy. Who, you know, take Chuck Liddell, for instance. He's, he's a perfect example. The guy who was pretty much our poster boy for the first 10 years, right? Right. Became a huge star for us. Chuck Liddell has a mohawk with Chinese writing down the back of his head, right? And he's got this goatee like you'd see on a, on a motorcycle guy. You know, he looks like an axe murderer. He's a scary-looking guy. If you said that guy's an ultimate fighter, you'd say, damn right he is. I bet he looks like an ultimate fighter. He, he, was, you know, he graduated from Cal Poly with honors in accounting. He got an accounting degree from Cal Poly. He graduated with honors. I mean, these are the kind of guys that we were dealing with, and every guy had his own. So it wasn't about fabricating some kind of storylines behind the guys. They all had unique individual stories. And what we did was, you know, boxing. Back in the day, I became a huge boxing fan because I used to watch all the big fights on ABC's Wide World of Sports. Big fights were always on ABC's Wild World of Sports. Then, when I was about 19 years old, USA's Tuesday Night Fights had an unbelievable show where it was all the best up-and-coming talent. Then came the pay-per-view model. When pay-per-view came out, all these boxing guys, being the greedy pigs that they are, started just everything went on pay-per-view, pay-per-view. Nothing ever on free TV anymore. So your fan base, picture me spreading my arms as wide as I can. My fan base went from that to now spreading your fingers as close together as you can. That's how much their fan base has dropped over the last 40 years. We did the exact opposite. We started putting great fights on free TV again, exposing people to the product. And here's the thing about our product, too. You think you like watching it on TV? It's great. It comes off very well on TV. Wait till you go to a live event. The live event is off the charts. And I'm, I, obviously I'm the owner, so I'm a little biased here, but I'm just saying it is one of the greatest live sporting events you will ever see. And that's why we sell so many tickets, and that's why people are so pumped. I've never had anybody, a television executive, a sponsor, ever walk out of that arena after an event and go, yeah, I'm never coming to watching this again. Dana, when you take a look at the uh, the competitors in this, uh, you know, you already pointed out that they're educated. They come from different backgrounds. These are not thugs in any particular way. And I'm just wondering, what do you find is the motivation, generally speaking, of why these competitors are in this particular sport? Yeah, because a lot of these guys came from, like you said, they, they wrestled in, in – uh in high school, then into college, some guys were Olympic alternates, uh, things like that. Like Ronda Rousey, we just got in, we just started a new women's division. A girl named Ronda Rousey. She's been doing judo since she was six years old. She went to Beijing and got a medal in the Olympics. And then after she was done with the Olympics, she wanted to continue to be a professional athlete. But what does she do with a judo medal? You know what I mean? Well, now she's gotten into mixed martial arts. She's a huge superstar. She's got nine fights. Uh, she's undefeated. In nine fights, her fights have lasted a total of nine minutes and 25 seconds. Um, but that's, that's the norm here. And think about this. If you were a young guy and your parents had you in taekwondo or karate or something like that, that's not cheap. 
Those things are expensive. So you have these people that are professional athletes, well-educated, and are competitors. They're fighters. That's who they are. That's what they were born to do. And now at the UFC, they have the ability to remain not only professional athletes, but now make millions of dollars. What is Dana White's vision for the UFC, say, over the next five to ten years, Dana? It's the same vision I had the day we bought this company, and it's to build a sport. And to build a sport, what that really means is everybody plays by the same rules all over the world. The same game of soccer we play here in the United States is the same game that's played worldwide. And right now, think about this, just to show you where we've come from. When we bought this company for $2 million 13 years ago, it was going out of business. It was going bankrupt. The first show that we ever did, this thing, you want to know how bad it was? This thing was not allowed on pay-per-view. Porn is on pay-per-view. The UFC was not allowed on. Dana, thank you very much. That's Dana White. Dana, of course, the president of the Ultimate Fighting Championship. If you haven't seen it, check it out. You can watch it on Fox Sports. We'll take a break as we continue across the country and around the world. We've got you on America's Sports Talk Show. You have been listening to Ron Barr's Sports Byline USA podcast on the 8Side Network. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. From memory foam mattresses to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer exceptional comfort and support with free delivery and 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape begins a journey to fight for a future for apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.